Hi, Eric Bailey with the Tulsa World alongside Eli Letterman. We are uh, the Oklahoma Beat Riders and getting ready for another football season. Uh, fall camp is here, practice is today. We're recording this on Friday and the team as we speak is on the field. Uh, we had media days this week, so football is in the air, Eli. What do you think? It's here, man. And you, like you said, they're getting their first practice in this morning. Some could consider this our first practice run. We'll see how it goes for the season because this is podcast number one of the football season. We're back from the summer. And it's it's football time. Ready to do it. You know, it's funny because it, it just seems like the summer goes by so fast. And Oklahoma athletics really made it go by fast with their ability to win a national championship in softball get to the championship series, the World College World Series. So it's been a good year. And 2022 starts with a lot of high expectations. You know, there's been a lot of buildup over the past seven or eight months for Brent Venables and the job that he's done. And you know what interested me? We had media day. We had a 20-minute uh, period with him on Tuesday. It's just how subdued he was. He was always so full of energy when we saw him at, you know, press conferences. We saw him during his barnstorming tour around the state. Everything was so excitement, but Tuesday he was a little more subdued, and you just wonder if he's just in football mode now. Now's the time to get ready. There's a job at hand. He's ready for practice. It was just it just seemed like a different Brent Venables. Yeah, it did. I mean, see, part of me wondered. You know, we usually we would get him off the practice field. Maybe he was charged up from that, or you know, those those uh, OU caravan events in the spring. He knew he had to be charged up, but maybe he was least excited to see us because he was the most probably subdued that we've seen him. And I think it's it's like they're finally here for eight months. We have been asking those questions of what's this program going to look like? All the kind of new coach things. And finally, and then really not talking a lot about football. There's only so much to talk about. Finally, we're at preseason camp. And I mean, September 3rd with UTEP is is now kind of in arm's reach. And I think you're exactly right. I think, I think speaking with Brent Venables and then his staff, I think everybody, and maybe us included and the fans included, are ready for football because we've talked so much about about everything else for the last. I mean, it's been almost a year at this point. You know, it's going to be interesting. Brent Venables has made this. He made this uh, statement at Big 12 Media Days. He mentioned it again during his local media day that 40% of this team or 40 players on this team uh, have never worn an Oklahoma jersey before. Is it 40% or 40 players? I can't remember. The number 40 is involved somewhere in there. But let's just say a lot of the players on this roster have not worn an Oklahoma uniform, including Dylan Gabriel. We had a chance to talk to Dylan and the quarterback from uh, UCF, the transfer. Everyone knows who Dylan is now. Now it's time to go out there and lead this team on the field. I was really impressed with Dylan. Just He's really been steady throughout ball camp. He was steady through spring football, saying all the right things. Now, really looking forward to seeing how he develops over fall camp. Yeah, I think the interesting thing with Dylan, kind of on that theme of like, it's finally time for football. We have heard since Dylan Gabriel arrived, nothing, like he's knocked it out of the park. The offseason for him, showing up at to a, a program that in, in a sense had just been blown up and, and being that leader from the jump. We heard it all in spring camp. We've seen him this spring the dime time retreat, taking some of his wide receivers and skill guys uh, to the, to one lake, his offensive lineman to another. Uh, I think Woody Washington said he's never had a quarterback take out, take the defensive backs out to dinner. So he's checked all those boxes as the leader, but now is the time for him to do the other thing, which is the other part of his job. And that's playing quarterback at Oklahoma. And so we're going to get, you know, our uh, closer looks at him under center. You know, we've really only got a few spring practices and then a spring game on a windy day. Um, so now is the time to see if Dylan Gabriel is is that experienced quarterback who we know has played with Jeff Levy and and if he if he can be that guy that Oklahoma needs him to be and you can sense that excitement with him too and and you can't forget the fact that 
his season last year, maybe part of the reason he's in Norman now, is it got cut short by uh, by his, as he referred to it, his first major injury, that broken collarbone. So I'm sure he's itching to get to, to September 3rd, and I think we're all excited to see kind of what it looks like when we get there. You know, it's funny when we had a chance to talk to him, and, and we got a chance to talk to Jeff Levy for the first time since spring. It's something that uh, I was looking forward to, and we talked a little bit about how they brought a couple of new quarterbacks in Davis Beville from Pitt and General Booty from Tyler Junior College, and they talked about just the depth needed at that position. Uh, he also had a lot of good things to say about Nick Evers as well, but I think getting that depth at the quarterback position, getting some experienced players, players that have played Division One football like Beville, players that have had JUCO experience like General Booty, I think that was important, although he did mention again there's only one quarterback in that room that has true Division One experience. Right. But I think getting those players and, and building that room, it was very important for the team. I mean, if you think back to April, the one thing we looked at that depth chart with a ton of questions on it and said was they've got to go get a quarterback. It's simply because, I mean, as, as Dylan Gabriel was an example last year at UCF, it takes one play for, for you to go dig into your quarterback depth and different circumstances. But last year, Oklahoma had to, to dig into their backup depth. And and so them going into this season with just Nick Evers, who who seems promising, they've they've had nothing but good things to say about him, would have seemed dicey. And and so while there's definitely questions about the experience, even of the guys they brought in, you've got two quarterbacks in, in General Booty and, and Davis Bevel that that at least have experience, bring a little bit more. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see who they kind of who separates themselves now in August. Um, that maybe even maybe even that UTEP game is, is does Dylan Gabriel play all four quarters? Perhaps not. Who's the first guy off the bench, and and what does that guy have to do this month to to prove himself to be that guy? You know, we got a chance to talk to Eric Gray too, and you know Lincoln Riley last year when Eric Gray arrived, he always talked about how professional he was and and how it, it just really helped that running backs room. And it's funny because we're hearing the same thing from Jeff Levy, different coaching staff, different coordinators, same words. He's just a professional. And we had a chance to talk to uh, Eric a little bit. And he is the leader of that room. And he's looking forward to playing under his third offensive coordinator in three years. And, and it was neat. We talked a little bit also about Marcus Major. Uh, we're going to see if he's going to be available this year after last year had some academic issues, uh, appeared late on the roster. Uh, it just seems like this style really, really, really will help Major with the physical run play that uh, Coach Levy has, keeps talking about. And then you asked about Ventavius Thompson, uh, the UCF transfer. Uh, just talk a little bit about what Levy said about the new, the incoming uh, player from UCF. Yeah, I mean, he's a walk-on transfer, so you don't quite know what that's going to mean and how they view him. But clearly, he's from UCF. That means Jeff Levy presumably had some hand in getting him there at one point and, and liked what he saw then. And Dylan Gabriel worked with him. And, and so I, you'd imagine they're not bringing in a guy that they don't think can do something. Um, and, and they spoke really highly of him. And I think, you know, in some sense, and this is the case for all the, the summer transfers, the guys who weren't here in the spring, there's a lot of catching up to do just on, on what they lost, on what, on what everyone else got during spring camp in terms of picking up this system that they've got to pick up. But I think, you know, beyond Eric Gray, and I don't think at this point for all the talent Marcus Major has that we can even count him as a, a sure thing, it's it's wondering, you know, is it Marcus Major? Is it Pentavious Thompson? Is it the two freshmen, Javante Barnes, who, who had a nice spring game, or Gavin Sawchuk, who showed up this summer? Who behind Eric Gray is going to – can can help? Because Eric Gray, um, he probably won't have to kind of have that Kennedy Brooks-style workload. It's just a different offense with Jeff Levy. But who behind him is going to take those carries and 
And as you said, a physical running style, that's going to lend itself to them needing a deep running backs room. And again, I think that's what, you know, things will get decided this month. I mean, Eric Gray will be the guy on September 3rd, but I think in the month of September, Kent State, Nebraska, and even into Kansas State, that Big 12 opener, that's the time for guys to prove themselves and separate themselves. And maybe one of those freshmen shows that that he's ready uh, to, even if it says your third running back or, or Marcus Major, who's got, it's been here four years, but he's got 60 carries to his name. Can he prove to, you know, can he eclipse a number like that in a single season? That's what they need to figure out. But to your point on Eric Gray, I mean, he sounded great. He, he says he feels great. I think he's down to 210 pounds. And I think he may be perfect with, with his ability to, to pass catch as well. He may be built to be the lead back in a levy offense. You know, it's funny because, Eli, we talked about the spring, about the wide receiver position, and it just wasn't a lot of depth there. And they went nuts over the offseason bringing mm -hmm. transfers in, which is only going to strengthen that room. But uh, we got to talk to two uh, veteran players on this team and Marvin Mims, who, you know, I think he's going to be the, the go-to guy this year in this roster. I think everyone is no surprise. He probably will be the go-to guy at this position. Um, and then we got to talk to Theo Weiss, who's looking for a healthy season. I think we really haven't seen how much he can do. And uh, it, it was really good to talk to Theo and get his thoughts going into the season. But when you look at what they brought in, uh, you know, you look at LV Bunkley Shelton from Arizona State, you look at JJ Hester from Missouri, you're bringing in some guys, some talent that you really need to help solidify those wide receiver cores. And then also Jalil Farouk, I, I really think he's going to be a guy who we saw play really well down in San Antonio at the Alamo Bowl that can really come in and provide a spark. And uh, you talked a little bit about Gabriel and, and, these, and you know, how he's really trying to build chemistry with his teammates. I think this is the most important uh, chemistry building part with that uh, wide receiver and that quarterback situation. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think maybe similar to the running backs behind Eric Gray, behind Marvin Mims, the world is all these guys oyster. Like whoever, there's there's opportunities to be had there. And I think what interested me in, in Arlington, I kind of walked across basically 100 yards and then into the tunnel from one end of the, the field to the next with Dylan Gabriel, just chatting with him about basically what he needed to work on this summer because of how glowing they spoke about him um, in spring camp and, and how well he did there. I was like, so what did you need to figure out? Like what was left to do? And for him, it was all about connecting and, and just getting those connections. And that explains, you know, the, the, the retreats and all of that. And that, that, that was his goal this summer. They threw a little bit out there. I think uh, when they were, were in Lawton, they, they didn't install according to Marvin Mims. Um, but it really has been a summer of, of getting closer with those guys. And, and we'll see maybe who he's forged the closest connections with. We know uh, he and Marvin Mims have been fast friends. Um, and, and speaking to Theo Weiss, I mean, it really all these receivers, you hear that they've all, they all feel like they've gained something of a relationship with Dylan Gabriel early on. And that's clearly crucial. But I think, you know, with each wide receiver, you can look at maybe after Marvin Mims, you can look at the questions, question marks there. And then the promise, I mean, Theo Weiss being a guy that if he's healthy, you wonder just what he could do. Jaleel Farouk, you mentioned his, his performance in the Alamo Bowl. And then he spoke about, you know, considering whether he even wanted to come back, um, and he did. He spoke about that in the spring. So there's a lot there in, in the in the receiver room that the, the transfers, I think, are really intriguing. Um, but it's it, again, it's going to be in, in that September window. We're probably going to find out who's for real and who's not. You know, we had a chance and this is, you know, we're only going to get one chance in the fall camp to talk to the assistant coaches before they even hit a practice. So one of my favorite interviews since he's been here has been Bill Beatenbow the offensive line coach, and we had a chance to talk to him 
on Tuesday, and he's just really enlightening at a, at a, at a, in a position group that's really hard to figure out what's going to happen there. And he gave us an idea of, you know, some of the players to keep an eye on. And, you know, it's some of who you expect with the Andrew Raymond center. You got Anton Harrison. You got some of those guys that have been around, you know, Chris Murray. But it's going to be what we hear during fall camp. I just don't know what we're going to see in the opener against UTEP. So I'm kind of interested in to see how this all plays out. And we're going to have to pin on Jeff Levy to give us an idea of what's going to happen at that offensive line spot. Um, but I thought it was interesting too, Eli, when we talked to these players and we talked to Beatonbow, just how important Jerry Schmidt was for this offensive line in, in getting stronger and in helping them be more physical. It's funny, we saw a viral video today where the whole team's giving Jerry Smith and throwing him on their shoulders. I mean, this guy, he, he, you probably hate him during the summer, but you love him when you see the results when you start fall camp. So, but I, I really think, did it sound like to you that just Smith's impact on this offensive line could really pay dividends? I think so. I mean, we make a lot about the strength coaches, you know, everywhere. They're, they're, they tend to be, He's probably larger than life rock stars in some senses, but um, you know, the, I think Daniel Parker Jr., the transfer tight end uh, from Missouri, he tweeted something yesterday, like because they're calling it all body by Schmidt, and he said something like, "Even Schmidt's got a body by Schmidt." Um, so they bought in with him, but you know what? I spoke with Anton Harrison, and we were. I was. I asked him about Schmidt because I think what's interesting is you've got a really old school coach. I mean, I. I I'm new to, to the OU beat. I didn't know about the old days of Jerry Schmidt when I got here. And then he came back and hearing about how grueling the workouts are and this, he sounds like your, your prototypical old school strength coach. But what I found interesting speaking with the coaching staff, but then the players, most importantly, was the way he, he seemingly has a, a way of relating with them. Because I think a lot of that old school stuff, you'd think that might not land with a younger generation and all that. But Anton Harrison, who A, told me that uh, he's now picked up weekly massages from the Schmitty workouts. That's part of his regimen now. But B, that, that Jerry Schmidt has found a way to push him and a lot of his teammates out of their comfort zone. And it's as much about the physical end of it and the grueling workouts and, and the sprints and all that as it is the, the mental end of, of either pushing yourself beyond where you think you can go. Or for someone like Anton Harrison, Theo Weiss said the same thing was was pushing them to be leaders on a day where Theo Weiss or Anton Harrison might want to be a quiet guy and just go get through the workout, but not necessarily be a vocal leader. Jerry Schmitz brought that out of a lot of them. And so I think his impact has been widely felt, but on the offensive line, I mean, you, a position that I think every program in the country right now can't feel certain about it's August in college football. We know that um, his impact could prove the difference maker on a, a you know, a at a position group that as much as we can talk about Dylan Gabriel or the running backs, the receivers could really make or break the offense. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit about defense. We had a chance to spend uh, about a half hour with Ted Roof, the defensive coordinator. And of course, you know, we asked him, you know, what was the biggest thing that he's seen out of this defense since taking over? And he says he's seen an improved football IQ. He said he sees these players smarter they're, they're, they're as far as knowing assignments and things. And, of course, it's still a learning process. Uh, nothing's going to be seamless. But I think over the offseason, they had more study time. They try to grasp exactly what the coaches want from them. I thought a question that was interesting that he would, Coach Roof was asked was, you know, how do you compare Oklahoma's talent to Clemson's talent? And he didn't want any part of that. He no. said, hey, I'm just focused on what's in front of me and getting these guys better, which kind of may be telling in its own right. But it just seemed like Coach Roof, he, he's, he's ready for this job at hand and, and appreciates this defense. 
you could tell he's a, an experienced coach of 30 some odd years in the way he sidestepped that question. Um, and not that it was really a, an important one because we're here, you know, he was there to, he's at Oklahoma and he was there to talk about Oklahoma. But I think, you know, whatever the, the talent disparity or if there even is one it, are just kind of like the question marks across this defense. I think there's so many talented names. I'm looking at the depth chart right now. There's a lot of names that jump out to you and only 11 of them can play, but the, the formula for them and what Jeff Levy, uh, excuse me, Ted Roof and Brent Vettel's need to figure out in the next month is which of those 11 names are the right 11 names um, because it, it, they've, it's been a steady improvement. I think you heard Brent Venables kind of speak to the fact that he's speaking with the line, on the linebackers specifically, but I think it was the group on the whole that they weren't where they needed to be in the spring. And that's probably natural, particularly after the offseason OU had, um, but that they're getting there, that the IQ is, is up. And now they've got this next month to kind of take those next steps. But to you, Eric, I mean, what, what position group, I guess, you know, whether it's the D-line, linebackers, and secondary, what what element intrigued you most maybe from Tuesday or intrigues you most going into to this next month? Well, you know, you talk about the defensive line, and you got Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis kind of working together, working in tandem on that line. And I, I just impressed with, you know, Jalen Redmond and just – what he, he how he's improved and and it, I want to see what he does and what he can bring to this team you know we keep hearing a lot about Ethan Downs and uh, we saw him down in Dallas for media day so when we look at that defensive line we look at Redmond and we look at Downs and there's guys that really trying to prove themselves like Marcus Stripling Jeffrey Johnson you know one of the newcomers from Tulane who is he going to be able to, to make be an impact player and, and I'm going to butcher this name <laughs> but from Hawaii I'll help you I'll help you you, you say his name for me. Can you say his name? Okay, Jonah Laulu, of course. Laulu, yeah. I just there have we to go. We'll it. get there. It's it training camp. Time. It's training camp. We'll get there. <laughs> but I think he's a he's a he's a guy that can also really bring some experience and talent to that defensive line. I really think uh, Shavis and Bates, with what they've been able to do up front and, and kind of just teach these players different styles, I think that's exciting. I think it really a clean slate will be really big for a Jalen Redmond and. You know, it's funny, we talk about this. I mean, this is this group right here in front of us, Jordan Kelly. I mean, just think about all these players that can make plays. And, uh, you know, it's they this group, when we look at Chavis and look at Bates, they've made a lot of noise in the recruiting world too. So this is setting the foundation for what's to come, uh, this, this initial group, this initial group of defensive line and defensive ends. Yeah, and then note on Jalen Redmond, I was talking to him the last time, I asked him the last time he felt like himself, like fully himself. Uh, mostly on the field, but it kind of went into a, an off-the-field thing as well. But he said it was 2019, and that's when he led the team in sacks with six and a half. And from there, he's just been colored with injuries. And, and now he comes into 2022, and he, he says he feels as good as he's felt, but is also focused. He was talking about how a, having a son has really kind of changed his kind of whole outlook. And so he's a guy, I think, that that is at least coming into this year feeling as good as he has in almost three seasons. Um, and, and so that was that that stood out to me, but it, it's a defensive line that certainly has uh, kind of like a lot of the, this defense. There's potential everywhere. It's just who's going to jump out. I'm intrigued by Jeffrey Johnson. I really think he might be of the transfers. If you want to look at the defense and say who's the transfer newcomer who can have the most immediate impact, I would look at him. You know, it's funny. You mentioned linebackers with what Coach Venable said of where the linebackers are. Linebackers are always going to have a special place in Coach Venable's heart. Mm -hmm. That's when he was 28 as a, a defensive position coach at OU in 1999. He was in charge of the linebackers. And you can tell his, his fingerprints are all over what this defense does. So I, I think linebackers, we had a chance 
to talk a little bit to some of the players this week. Uh, Danny Stetsman, uh, just a sophomore. It's hard to believe here. Here's a young man just in his second year, and he's having to absorb a new defensive style in his second season too. But I think they're expecting big things out of him. Uh, we've talked to David of Oguebu, who came back and really feels like he has something to prove. And, and then there's the young guys like TD Roof. We talk about the transfers from App State. You know, Coach Roof's uh, Coach Roof's son and, and Ted Roof said that he's only number 18 in my eyes when he's on the <laughs> field. So uh, there's a lot of guys on this defense. Jaron Kennick. Knick, the true freshman. I mean, can he make an impact freshman? Yeah. yeah. So uh, linebackers, I think this is something that Oklahoma fans are excited to see because the tradition of linebacker at Oklahoma, it's always been a good one. And I think that they really have a good group to work with starting out in year one of the Venables era. Yeah, I think if you go to the OU website and like look at the coaching staff, it won't say linebackers coach next to Brent Venables' name. But I think alongside Ted Roof, he's a de facto linebackers coach. And, and you said he's got a soft spot in his heart for them. I think he also has high expectations for his linebackers naturally. I mean, his, I think the quote that jumped out to me said, you know, we won't be worth a flip if our linebackers are not doing what he needs them to be doing. And that's, they're going to ask a lot. I think this defense, again, as they put it, both Ted Roof and Brent Venables, they're going to be the quarterback of this defense. That's, I guess, the nature of the position. But you'd imagine in a Venables defense, it's especially the case. And, and you've got, I, I think I'm in, maybe not most intrigued, but Deshaun White is probably the guy you can pencil in today as uh, he was the one right next to, to Brian Osmo and Nick Benito last year um, as, as probably the, maybe the surest thing in that linebacker group. Because after that, it's, you know, David Aguegbu, who uh, Ted Roof spoke really highly of. And then I spoke with David. He was talking about he's down, I think, 20 pounds. Um, he just said he feels different than he has. And, and to your point, you said he's got something to prove. TD Roof, this is his, I think his third or fourth school. He's got Indiana, App State, I think Georgia Tech's in there. I think he's got Georgia four Texas, schools. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been around and he certainly has experience there. And uh, and then, you know, they t the way they talk about Jaron Kanick and Kip Lewis, they don't talk about them like they're freshmen. Uh, Jaron Kanick, it's, it's Danny Stutzman who calls him Drago because I think physically he does not look like an 18-year-old freshman. So, again, I, I, I like September because I think it gives you a chance to see those guys and maybe in ways we won't. You know, maybe Jaron Kanek plays three games in red shirts because he's not going to be the guy they need in October and November. But I, I'm hopeful that next month in some of those games we might see the depth of these positions and, and, and see what they've really got there both for, for, for the now and, and the future. You know, one of the most exciting interviews I did and entertaining interviews I had a chance to talk to during media day was – with Jay Valai, the cornerbacks coach, I mean, he was he was going 100 miles an hour describing everything that was going on. And, you know, in talking about his cornerbacks, he, uh, he called himself uh, Bob Ross. He said, I need to paint a picture. I need to paint this picture right. So he made me laugh. And in the same interview, he, talked, he mentioned Dave Chappelle. So I told him that's the first time I ever heard anyone mention Bob Ross and Dave Chappelle in the same answer. So uh, I, I really was impressed with him. But the, when we look at his defensive backs, uh, we look at his cornerbacks and what he has in front of him. And, you know, um, you know, we talked a little bit about C.J. Colton, the Wyoming transfer who came during the summer, didn't come during spring. We asked about him. Uh, you know, Key Lawrence, you're going to get what you expect with him. He's going to try to build off it. And, again, like we talked about Eric Gray learning his third system in three years. That's Key yeah. Lawrence, the Tennessee transfer. He's going to have to do the same thing. I think the most intriguing player for me on defense in the, in the secondary is the same person it was in the in in during spring ball. It's um, Billy Bowman, and and you know the the sophomore. Uh, he 
is just playing safety. You know, he was bouncing around so much last year. We, we wrote about him during the spring about how he uh, was just going to settle on a position and he's sticking to safety, which I really think with his athleticism, uh, he can really make some things happen in the in the backfield, defensive backfield. So, but just your thoughts, Eli, on the secondary and, and what they have in front of them, and, and you know, CJ Colden. I know we, we asked about him too. Just your what did you glean from the coaches on on Tuesday? Well, starting with like with Billy Bowman, like clearly he's immensely talented. He wouldn't have been on the field in the spots he was in last year if he wasn't. But as I think the new coaching staff has said, and as he himself told us Tuesday, like playing, he was equipped to do it and he'd be equipped to do it again I think but playing all those different positions was was a lot and so for him to be settled in one place seems to me to be the best way to maximize whatever skill he's got um, and I, I asked Justin Broyles about him and a fun fact I asked Billy Bowman is reputedly one of the most competitive guys on the team so I asked him who's the second most and he said Justin Broyles and they debated who's the better Madden player um, according to Justin Broyles it's him but Justin Burroughs also said that the player that came back in the spring and now this summer in Billy Bowman is just so much more comfortable and mature and, and all those things that you'd expect, you know, that a freshman might not have, especially the situations Billy Bowman got thrown into, that he's now just settled. And I think that's got to be, you know, if you're looking at that secondary and who could be a difference maker, and maybe elevate that secondary, it'd be him in that position. But then you, you brought up CJ Colden. And I think, I think we can slate Woody Washington in at one of those corner spots. And then the other, you know, DJ Graham and CJ Colden, you've got a guy who we talked to Woody Washington about this in Arlington, you know, DJ Graham shedding, just being the guy who made the catch mm -hmm. um, and, and asserting himself and being ready to be that guy. And then CJ Colden is this experienced corner from Wyoming. Who's Jay Valai said he's big, long, fast and experienced um, and, but has catching up to do because he wasn't here in the spring. So that on a roster where for as many questions as we have, I don't know that there's a ton of position battles. There's not maybe one that we're looking at, but I think that's an interesting one. Uh, and then after that, you know, what is, you got Trey Morrison is the North Carolina transfer. Look, yesterday he's played 49 career games. Mm -hmm. So they're, for all the experience this team lost, they've also got guys like him. McCabe Matoyer on the offensive line has played a lot. Jeffrey Johnson's played a lot. So they brought in their transfers, you can tell that a priority certainly was experience uh and and they've got plenty of it now in that secondary you know one transfer who made an impact last year and will make an impact this year as well as michael turk <laughs> here's a guy and talk we look at all the interviews that everyone did on tuesday and michael turk probably had the the most people with the longest group i mean he went 32 minutes so he went he went above and beyond what a lot of the players do. He's just he's just entertaining. He can really hold court. And I think when we look at special teams, you look at Michael Turk, and you know what you're going to get with Michael Turk, uh, the Arizona State transfer. But then, you know, I, I had a chance to talk to Michael, and I asked him, you know, why'd you come back? Because he had he could have went to the league last year. He had a great season kicking the ball. And he, he told me that um, he just felt like there was unfinished business. And he really likes the atmosphere and the culture at OU, as well as Brent Venables. I, I think he was really high on Venables hiring. And uh, he, he's a guy who just feels like he still has things to prove. And I think Oklahoma is going to benefit from his ability to flip fields and uh, just really have a veteran guy in that room. And it's not just on the field, but it's off the field. Because as the veteran, 
with those special teams group, he really, really has commanded that room. And people look up to him, all the, the young kickers and punters, they look up to him. He's going to hold this year. He told me that he's going to be the holder. Oklahoma needed a new holder. He's done it before, and he's going to do it again this year. So I think that's a key. And I think, you know, going into fall camp, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to emerge as the kicker, too. Uh, Gabe Burkich was really automatic at that spot over the last couple of years. And now you're going to find someone else and try to really audition at a position that you kind of don't think about much, but it's probably one of the most important positions, not only kicking field goals, but kicking the ball during kickoffs, kicking them into the end zone. Yeah, well, you're you're right that it's not one you don't think about much because we we talked about it before we hopped on here. No one asked Brent Venables, and uh, of the assistants who was not made available, there was no special teams assistant out there on Tuesday to talk about replacing Gabe Burkich. And, and maybe part of the reason that you know you didn't think about it for a while is because Gabe Burkich, by and large, was pretty reliable um, at at the kicking spot. And now Oklahoma's got. Uh, something to fill there. There's not much to say about it yet, but you've got Zach Schmidt, who's an OKC guy. You've got Gavin Marshall. And that's something maybe even for Monday to ask Brent Venables about because uh, we know just how important it, the, the kicking game is not important until it is, uh, until it becomes a problem. And, and so we'll, that, that'll be a development this next month. Uh, you know, I think we covered a lot of the football. It's just one of those times where it's just going to be a grind. Oklahoma fans are going to have to wait a month until we get the first game it's uh it, it'll be here before we know it but it, this august is always a grind um anything else other sports i know men's basketball they they came out with a hey they're, they're jet setting well i don't know how big the, i'll say this on as far as the competition for ou men's basketball <laughs> in europe uh they're on their foreign tour even porter moser said he said he's done these tours for years but he did one as a player at creighton he would do them at loyola he said you never really know who you're going to play until you show up but they they won by something like 45 points yesterday in Spain, but I'm just jealous of their itinerary. They're at the Sagrada Familia this morning. They did the Olympic uh, Village in, in Barcelona. They're headed to France. So the, the men's hoops team and the women, they're all traveling well right now in Europe. Uh, and I guess just one other note would be that, you know, earlier this week, OU came out, uh, OU Athletics announced $109 million, uh, in fundraising during the fiscal year of 2021-22, and that's a new record. Um, and as, as it makes sense when you see all the projects they've got popping up, they've got Love's Field, they've got stuff they want to do to the baseball, uh, baseball stadium, all the way down to gymnastics. We know football is never done building. Um, and so that it, I believe that 109 million was part of a record 317 for the university. Um, so there you go. And, uh, that was the big news, I guess, out of OU athletics and, and yeah. the department this week. It's really a credit to the job that Patty Gasso and Skip Johnson has done doing with their respective programs. I mean, you look at, you know, they, they've earned a, a lot of that just with the success they had. And, you know, baseball with Skip Johnson, it was incredible, mm -hmm. the Omaha trip and what they were able to do there. You just think about how close they were to winning a national championship. And, you know, going into the season, did, did you think that? And the, the, the Major League Baseball draft proved that they had players on their team when Johnson lost his entire starting rotation. But that can be a good thing, too, because that means pitchers, you know, if, you, if you're a pitcher and you want to, you know, pitch for the best, Skip Johnson has the track record and he'll get you to the league. So I, I was impressed with that. And Patty Gasso, they just keep getting recruits and transfers. And I mean, they're just stockpiling talent over there. It's almost unfair. Uh, you know, the two time defending national champions. Uh, I had a chance to talk to her. We hadn't really talked over the summer. I had a chance to talk to her in Omaha. And I said, when did you start thinking about the next season? It was the day after, the day after they won the championship. She said, yeah, we celebrated that night, but then it never, never ends. 
So I think both of those programs, the success they had over the summer really aided in, in that in that donations and then in those donations, excuse me. Yeah, and something tells me, Eric, based on the off seasons, both Skip Johnson and Patty Gasser are having, we might be staring at another busy June. I don't think we're going to, don't start planning vacations for June next year because I think we'll be certainly in OKC and we might be following another uh, Oklahoma baseball team that's making a nice run for themselves. Exactly. Well, uh, Eli and I will be doing podcasts throughout this throughout the fall, throughout fall camp. So be sure and keep an eye on us. TulsaWorld.com. That's where our written content can can be written can be read as well as our online content. Everything that goes online goes in the paper too. So keep an eye on us. Uh, you know, download the podcast. We're on Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, wherever you find out your podcast. Uh, so we appreciate your time today. And for Eli, this is Eric, and uh, everyone out there have a good weekend. And we'll talk again soon.